Welcome to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. When it comes to big or small projects around the home, Tony and Corey have got the know-how and the answers to make your life just a bit easier. Here they are, your Weekend Warriors, Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. I'm Corey Valdez. And I'm Tony Cookston. Thanks for tuning in with us this weekend. We've got an amazing show lined up for you today. We've got a special guest from my hometown, Tony. My One of my best friends growing up, Danon Williams, is buying a dilapidated park back in my hometown of Flint, Michigan. And uh, he intends on fixing it up. So we have him on the show today to talk about the millions and millions of projects <laughs> he's going to have to be doing to fix up this park. I, I'm excited to talk about this. Yeah, I think this is going to be a great topic. Let's get him on here and start talking about it right now. Danon Williams, how you doing today? Hey, thanks for having me on. You betcha. It's uh, you betcha. They say that in Michigan. Did you know that, Tony? Oh no, I did not know that. Just yeah, kidding. you betcha. You betcha. <laughs> Yeah, so Dane and I went to high school together, uh, well, middle school and high school together. And, uh, you know, the funny Mm -hmm. thing is you're buying this place that's, uh, it's been abandoned for how long? At least 10 years. It's it's been a long time, although the guy who owns it right now would uh, disagree. Um, (laughs) It's been abandoned. That's a whole other bit of story we don't need to get into. (laughs) There you go. So an abandoned, it's called Pirates Park. And I remember Pirates Park very fondly uh, from when I grew up in Flint, Michigan. The very oh, yeah. first time I went to Pirates Park was with Dana back in Flint. I was going to say, it's probably at my birthday party. It was. It was for I your birthday party. And uh, that was such a memorable time for me. And when I heard that Pirates Park closed and has been abandoned, I was very sad. But it's been sitting there. And it's amazing that nobody has yep. done anything with it. Well, it's because well, it's a big project. Let's be honest. It is not going to be a cheap thing that we're doing here. Um, actually, I'm I'm probably going to do it as cheap as possible at around three million dollars. <laughs> wow! Wow! That uh, that's some serious right? cheese. So let's talk a little bit about this. So Pirates Park. Why don't you explain to all of our listeners who are probably unfamiliar with Flint, Michigan? You know, out here on the West Coast, sure. when you hear about Flint, Michigan, the first thing that comes to people's well, mind. I, I remember you telling me not too long ago that you guys uh, had a very similar park not too far from Beaverton. It's your regular family amusement center. You got your arcade, go-karts, uh, bumper boats if you're lucky, batting cages, that kind of thing. That's exact. Uh, yes, exactly. Right? That's that. Like, everybody had one at one point. Uh, and they've all, not all, a lot of them have kind of died away uh, because, you know, the draw on that kind of thing, it comes and it goes, and out here it went. But that's why we're trying to do something different. So you guys, so you intend on buying the whole place, Pirates Park. It sits on how many mm-hmm. acres? It is 34 acres. It is actually an amazing uh, lot. That's uh, we've incredible. got a sledding hill. There's a creek. There's a whole field that we can do full-size uh, sports. There's a pond. Uh, there's a whole other side of it where we can do uh, walking trails, paintball. That's besides the main building, the putt-putt golf, 
the batting cages, the water slide that will be repurposed. Um, at the very least, the tower is still good and we're doing a zip line. Um, but we've just got potential coming out of our ears over here. That sounds amazing. You know, uh, there is a little town in uh, on the Oregon coast here called Seaside. And it's uh, people here that live here, they know Seaside. They go there all the time. It's a very crowded uh, place on the in the weekends during the summer. And they have... A very the whole town is like a like a magnet for tourists. It's very uh, they've arcades and they have you know rides and things and and shops and stores. Yeah, it kind of kind of reminds me of that it, of what you're trying to do there. You know, recently I drove through there. Yeah, last week and they they had a huge high ropes course. That would be an amazing. Oh yes, that's on the list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to run one of those over the pond. Um... But yeah, the, the trouble is we're in Flint, Michigan. You know, we're landlocked. We don't have the seaside to draw people on its own. We just have Flint. Flint. And that's, the water. That's kind of a rough sell, um, which is part of the reason that I'm actually talking to you guys. And one of the reasons that this plan is very different from other even normal business plans in that um, I intend to, to make the park interesting to people who are never going to come to the park. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, let me tell you. Uh, so one of the things we're going to do is it's almost going to be a little bit of a TV station. So we're going to have all kinds of projects. There's a whole thing we could do on HGTV style shows of us building all the things we're going to do, us uh, growing the whole store, but also the races that we do, the contests that we have, the games that we play, all this stuff. It's all going to be on YouTube, um, and it's all going to be kind of interactive. Uh, as much as we can, we're going to have people, at the very least, giving us ideas on what we're going to do next. Uh, I know everybody's got a good idea. I certainly don't have a monopoly on those. Uh, and hopefully, instead of flipping through Facebook at work, you're going to check and see what's happened at the park today. You know, uh, hopefully people in, in the good Portland area will... Uh, want to see what's happening in Pirates Park and start uh, making some hillbillies in Flint do some stuff that amuses them. <laughs> I love that idea. Right, would... And if you can talk to the correct lawyer, I'm throwing it out there, taser tag. Taser tag? <laughs> so far, it has been shot down, and probably quite correctly, by absolutely everybody. But I still hold on to the fact that if it was MTV doing this, Taser tag would be a thing, and you would watch that show. You'd watch the heck out of Taser tag. What? Explain a little bit what Taser tag is. You got about you got about a minute and a half exactly to explain what, to me. It is exactly what you're thinking. We're doing the like the hook harpoon style guns. It's like capture the flag probably, and uh, yeah, just grown adults just tasing <laughs> each other. Um, the word the words came first, and then the actual trying to do it in real life came later. Because uh, it's just a fun idea to say. Um, but that's kind of the spirit. If if we're not actually going to do anything life-threatening, but that's kind of the spirit of the park. It's like, hey, do you have a crazy idea? Do you have a something you want to do? And if we can do it, we're going to. And, and, you know, like I said, not all my ideas are great. This may fall into that category. I mean, only history will tell. Uh, but that's, that's kind of the plan, is to make something interesting. Um, and for... The very simple reason that that 
the market in Flint is small. You know, we don't have the population of a city like Portland or something. Right. Um, so we have to try something different and something harder. Well, it sounds like you're trying to do something in Flint, Michigan, that has never been done before. And I tell you right now, growing up in Flint, I moved out here to the Portland area 17, 18 years ago. And Flint needs something. They really need something. It's a very uh, depressed area of our country, and they, they truly need something. Well, it sounds like this is right on the right track. So we're going to be take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about this with Damon and Pirates Park. You're listening to Tony and Corey, your weekend warriors. Hang in there. Welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Thanks for staying with us. Today we are, we have a special guest on the phone with us from Flint, Michigan. My hometown, that's where I grew up, went to uh, school, high school, graduated, and uh, I left. <laughs> but my buddy Danan, Danan Williams, uh, stayed back and has been in Flint ever since. You've been a photographer uh, for most of your adult life. Is that right, Danan? That's right. It's about 20 years now. Uh, I've been working as a professional photographer. A professional photographer. But um, you've decided to throw all that to the side and buy up a, a dilapidated theme park Theme park that, right. that is inside Flint, Michigan, in uh, uh, near one of the biggest malls around uh, out there. And uh, yeah, we're going to outpace that mall for sure. Is that mall still open? Oh, it barely, it is, it is hanging on. That is half empty. And, uh, there's some pretty, I don't know. They're just not trying. Actually, one of the phases, probably 11 or 12 at this point is I just take over the mall and we move a bunch of stuff over there, build a train between where I am, where that is. It's just across <laughs> the street. We're going to go nuts with this thing. That's the way I'm going to have enough space to put in the roller coasters, so but that's, that's down the line. Pirates park mid Michigan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're going to, I'm going to put myself in the category of Cedar point, uh, Michigan's adventure, like the big parks. Uh, it's going to take a while to get there. Cause we're, we're doing this the slow and steady way. Yeah. Uh, but one day people are going to come from Ohio even, uh, and we won't even turn them away, even though from Ohio. <laughs> I wonder, Corey, is the do you think that Flint, Michigan is named after the rock? Is there a lot of Flint in Flint? You know, I don't know. Of course. That could be. Yes. That's that's why our mascot was the spark. Ooh. Um, for a little while anyway. Um but yeah, it was uh actually some of the Indians and uh there's uh arrowheads featuring prominently in some of the old logos, still is on the police force. Uh, yeah, Flint, actually, for people who only know the bad press of Flint, Flint actually was an amazing town. It was actually the best place to live in America, uh, once they invented cars, A, uh, and the, um, 
mechanical process to build them, uh, Flint was was rolling in money. We were we were, couldn't spend it fast enough. It was an amazing town. Yeah, the, uh, but the as boom a lot town. of things do and did happen in this country, especially through the Rust Belt, which used to be the Steel Belt before it all moved to Mexico and places abroad, we had money. Yeah, Flint uh, is an interesting town because you you drive through downtown Flint. And the downtown area is very, um, it's very cool. The architecture there, it's, a, it's very Art Deco, a lot of Art Deco buildings there. And it's one of my favorite um, styles, architectural styles, is, is Art Deco. And it's sad to see it all kind of, you know, falling apart slowly. And when I say Flint really needs something yeah. like this. They've, you know, they've started to... Stem that 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 damage though. They've they've, they've redone uh, the Durant. If you remember that, it was a big, beautiful hotel in the heart of downtown. Has been revamped uh, and redone. Actually, we're repelling off of it yesterday, uh, raising money for charity. Wow. Um, they've been going crazy lately with uh, mural painting. They've painted over 120 murals this year, um, all over the city. Uh, almost every building you see has something painted on it these days. Uh, That's very so cool. there's there's a lot of people trying really hard, and a lot of people have just never given up on this town. That sounds like you're one of them. Unfortunately, I did. Oh yeah, I, <laughs> no, gave, I, I gave up a long time ago, and I moved out here. For better or for worse. And I do feel bad about that, which is kind of why I'm I'm here. I got you on the phone and uh, trying to get your your <laughs> right. your story out there a little bit. So, Dane, what is the one thing you're you're actually yep. looking for help here? Not just from the Weekend Warriors, but maybe from our listeners. You're trying to uh, raise some money. Is that right? Yes, we have a GoFundMe, which is the focus of my whole life right now. Um, It's actually one of those GoFundMes that I imagine everyone at first glance says, what the heck is wrong with these people? Uh, We've got a goal of $500,000. But even that, like I said, isn't even a quarter of what we need. Uh, But... There are so many people in town who are excited about this project. They just need to know that we're serious. Uh, And so what this $500,000 does is buy me the rest of the money. It's uh, pretty great. I have like a half dozen uh, organizations, groups, and individuals who are ready to jump on board, but I just need to prove that this is a thing that not only am I serious about, that everyone else is serious about having. And uh, something like support from across the country uh, would be indispensable, worth far more than the actual dollars. Uh, just that kind of support would be amazing yes. and would really help this town uh, get something that it desperately needs. It's like a little bit of seed money, I see. So that's a, that's a really yes, good thing. So is. why don't you tell people where, tell our listeners where they can go to find more information about your cause and uh-huh. the GoFundMe. Sure. Uh, Just head on over to uh, Pirates Park on Facebook or uh, piratespark.org, and uh, it'll get you the links to get to the right places. Uh, Pretty easy. So I uh, I did my part, and I donated this morning. (gasps) Did you now? I don't know if you saw that. i got to check my email. I did go donate this morning, trying to help you out, help out the old old hometown there. So, uh, but yeah. I appreciate it. It's uh, it sounds like a really good cause, and, and part of the thing I really want to get into what you're trying to do there because you know it sounds really crazy. You're buying this old park, you're going to fix it up for yeah. the people of Flint, but 
one of the things that you want to do is turn it into a nonprofit. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, super crazy. So like I said, Flint's kind of down, um, which gives birth to a whole generation of hustlers. Everybody's got a side gig. Everybody's got a project they're working on. And the gap between ideas and brick and mortar is huge. Um, I've chosen to make mine as big as possible. Uh, but for other people, it's not quite so impossible. And with 34 acres, uh, I can give them a home to get started. There's all kinds of people. Even in the latest uh, pitch competition we were just in, uh, we won a prize uh, for having a great idea, which I thought was nice. And uh, the one, uh, one of the other players who were participating had a, a bakery. She wants to do baking classes and teach children and adults how to bake. And it's uh, first thing I said to her is, "Can you please come do that on Sundays?" <laughs> at at Pyrus Park, we're gonna have a kitchen open to everybody. That sounds really cool. You're going to take space that you already have that is not being used for anything else, and you're going to bring in businesses, right? That's your, that's your idea. You want to take in uh, entrepreneurs yep. that have a good idea but not necessarily enough capital and money yep. to start their own brick-and-mortar business. Right. Yeah, I, I basically just want to be another nonprofit, hopefully uh, – giving back all the money that I'm getting in this little project uh, to other businesses. And, and the plan being that the park itself is self-sustaining. It's a profitable business. Uh, we, we have good projections where we make profiting more than a million dollars in our first year. And we're going to fold that right back into the business. No one's getting boats. No one's getting gold chains. And we're going to make sure that we can support uh, the theater in town. We can support uh, musicians, we can support chefs, we can support anybody who's got an idea. Um, that's the plan, anyway. That's pretty honorable. It's I, I I would never think of that. What about you, Tony? No, I, I mean it's it's really is a huge um, it's a huge notion to wrap your head around when you think about something that's thirty four acres and that that it needs uh, it needs work just to be able to have the doors open. Right. You have to do work just to make it safe for people just to occupy the space, let alone all of the things that you want to build there. And I really want to talk about some of the projects that you have planned because I'm super um, interested in that. But we got to take another quick break before we as soon as we come back. Yeah, we'll I could use to, your help on those. Yeah, absolutely. When we come back, we'll be talking to Dane Williams about Pirates Park. You're listening to Tony Corey, your weekend warriors. Don't go away. that they were getting through the pipes that started to leach the lead out uh, and it became problems on top of problems where it should have been fixed in the first place, but it wasn't. The purpose in the people in charge of cleaning the water, treating the water, weren't doing their jobs properly and it became a whole disaster. Um, yeah, so it again, sounds, only in the places it, where the pipes hadn't been replaced over, over time. Right. It sounds crazy, but Flint used to buy all of their water from Detroit, which people think, oh, Detroit. Yeah. But Detroit oh, yeah. had great water. That's where everybody. That's where the good water came from. But when the city of Flint <laughs> ran out of money, they started pumping it out of the Flint River. Which, if you've ever been to Flint and you've seen the Flint River, you would never drink water from the Flint River. Hey now, hey now, there's nothing wrong with the Flint River. 
They're, uh, like, we've <laughs> mostly because we've lost most of the manufacturing that used to make it as dirty as it was. Uh, but again, the problem was not the river itself, but the way that they were not treating it properly. Yeah, they were treating um, it with chemicals that react conversations with the, with the Flint Watershed Coalition, and uh, that's a, a big thing that they're having to fight is that the river wasn't the problem. Oh, really? See, I had heard that, that it was the not the exactly water yeah. that was that they had the way they had to treat the water to make it drinkable. The chemicals that they were using is what caused the the lead to leach from the pipes. It reacted with right. the lead. Yeah, in I the mean, pipes. there were there were. Yeah, that that's still true. That's that's what happened, but it wasn't necessarily because the water was so terrible that they had to treat it. It was normal things that they actually weren't doing. It was chemicals that they weren't using uh, that allowed the le- to leach out of the pipes. Mm. Well, again, to save money, and it was like a dollar. It was a dollar eighty or something stupid. It was oh like an unbelievably small amount of money for as much problems as it caused. So, and here's the crazy thing: has the problem found a solution at all? Oh yeah, they just replaced the pipes. It you just stop having lead pipes, and there's no problem. You just bring the city infrastructure into the modern age, and there's no problem. So, but but has that happened? Yes, uh, that was one thing they were working on pretty quickly. It still took them the better part of two years to finish the project, uh, but they did eventually replace all of the the lead pipelines. So, what but about- that was still too slow for uh, a fair amount of uh, development uh, challenges for children who had been drinking the water unknowingly who right. now have lead in their brains since there's nothing we can do about it. So is it, what about the, the homes? Weren't there homes that had lead pipes or did they, or they went ahead oh. and replaced all those as well? Yeah, they had to do that. They had to go straight from the street to the homes in a lot of places. They took it case by case. It was, it was a whole mess. I mean, there were people in Flint who were showering out of water bottles for two years. Like everything you eat, drink, cook with, bathe in everything was out of water bottles for two full years that's crazy yeah. man the city of flint need <laughs> so, they need something dana they need some help they need yes, some oh positivity they need something uh cheerful to look forward to it was like that and then uh more job loss pandemic and there is nothing within 60 miles of anything remotely like what i'm trying to do and the thing i'm trying to do doesn't really exist anywhere in the world just yet it's uh, it's you're opening. Let's just talk about this again. There's a there's a park there. It's called Pirates Park. In its heyday, when I lived Pirates there, park. when I was a kid, and Dane and I would go there for his birthday parties, and race the go karts and race the the boats, and the bumper boats and all mm-hmm. of those things. It was like an arcade. It was the best place in town when I was a kid. Uh, we wanted to go there all the time, and it unfortunately fell to economic times and closed what 10 years ago you say yep, at least so 10 years it's been closed you're going to swoop in it's 34 acres so you need a yep. bunch of money to buy the property and convert it and turn it into something new yes which is going to be a ton of big projects and little projects there's all kinds of little things that we're going to do a lot of the fun stuff that we're trying to do uh we're going to build it's going to be a whole do-it-yourself park uh like i said it's a lot of money just to get this thing off the ground much less get the attractions and all the things so uh 
we're going to be weekend warrioring the heck out of this place. We are going to be <laughs> building uh, docks and decks and uh, buildings. We're going to build uh, carnival games. We're going to build all kinds of things. So let's talk a little bit about that. We only got about a couple minutes here in this segment, but let's talk a little bit about your process and what are some of the biggest projects you have in the park right now? I mean, is, is the place functional? I mean, are, is, are the roofs caving in? Are they leaky? What's going on there? Right. Uh, there was a lot of potential for a lot of bad, bad news. Uh, but I've actually already had architects in there. Uh, everything's good. We got solid bones. We got solid roofs. Um, there's been a fair amount of vandalism, uh, but nothing a, a good gutting won't fix. Um, those are kind of the biggest projects is getting the main building back into shape. Uh, but a lot of the thing, like, like you said, 34 acres, that's a lot of not buildings. That's a lot of stuff that we can do that doesn't involve really any kind of rehabbing other than mowing the very, very long lawn and uh, cutting back some of the uh, mini golf, which is actually wonderfully overgrown. I don't think I'm going to cut it back very far at all. Um, it's, it's kind of a rad jungle right now. <laughs> you should call it the jungle, uh, the jungle golf, mini jungle golf. I don't know. <laughs> right. I like jungle golf. I mean, pirates go to jungles all the time. That's right. That's absolutely That's the true. The thing about the pirates is they're all over the place. You should, uh, you should hide treasure somewhere in there and then have people come in and try and find that it. is for sure happening. It's not quite geotag, like geo, uh, locating stuff. Um, but we're going to hide treasure chests all over the place filled with like tickets and tokens, prizes, where you'll just be walking around and be like, oh, what's that? Money. I don't know. It's going to be it's going to be great. People are going to want to explore that whole place and look for secret buried treasure. That sounds amazing. It does sound amazing. Corey and I actually uh, watched some video and and our eyes were opened uh, quite a bit to how much it's changed. We got to take another quick break. When we come back more about Pirates Park and Dana Williams, we'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for hanging out with us. We are talking with Danon Williams. He is doing the impossible. He's buying this old dilapidated park on 34 acres. He needs our help, the Weekend Warriors help. So we are uh, throwing this out there. If you ever uh, have been to Flint, maybe you grew up in Flint, or uh, you just want to help some people out, you can go to piratespark.org and click on the GoFundMe, and you can offer them 5 10 bucks. You can offer them... 500 bucks, whatever you feel the need. I donated this morning and I feel pretty good about it. I'm glad that you're doing something for the people in the community of Flint. You're going to turn this place into a really a community center for businesses and for people to get off the streets and be able to hang out with each other uh, with, with positivity is what I see. Yeah. So yes, that is exactly what we're doing. That's a, it's a um, really actually, one good of the thing. things that we've done is reach out to uh, a organization called Voices for Children that um, help to rescue and keep out of trouble endangered children. And one of the things we hope to do is be open 24 hours, 
a day uh, so that kids can have a place to go when maybe they just don't want to go home or anything like that. Um, but uh, I don't know, it's, it's such a big project. A lot of the stuff we're doing is um, artist driven. Uh, we have a couple of stages that we're going to do um, that I was actually wondering if you guys have any advice on how to tackle something like trying to put together like an indoor stage, an outdoor stage. We're going to have both. And there are rules, I'm told, to getting these things done. Well, you're absolutely right. You know, anything you look at from a weekend warrior's perspective to any gigantic project, you, you're taking on a much larger project in breaking it up into weekend warrior style uh, situation where you, you have these lots and big, big projects, but you want to take bite-sized, you know, weekend actions. Um, you know, it all starts with a budget. Absolutely. You know, you, you've created what you think is the amount of money that you, you need to get the place open and running. Uh, but <clears throat> there's a lot that goes on there. You really need to design, you need a designer to design it. You know, there's, I'm sure, maybe Tony knows more about this than me. You know, Tony is a manager of one of our uh, commercial locations for Par Lumber Company. And you've done some remodeling work at that store. Not you personally, but, you know, it's required. There's a lot of commercial requirements for permits over and above residential. I don't think you would just want to rush in and build something uh, yourself and call it good. I would say that you would need to speak to architects or designers and engineers who can make sure that you're building to commercial code, for one, and mm -hmm. that you, you definitely want to pull permits because, again, you're in a commercial application you are opening your, yourself and your business up to any lawsuits for damage, you know, to or, or injury, you know. So I think that's probably number one is to come up with a budget, what you think, an architect to design it, an engineer to look at it. Uh, and then, of course, putting the thing together. You know, if you, if you have the know-how uh, or the ingenuity to be able to build something from a set of plans – uh, I still think you're you're probably going to have some things in there. Like if you're building a stage, what's the stage for? Are you having musicians come out? Right. Yep. Musicians, theater. Uh, there's going to be lights. There's going to be rigging. There's going to be backgrounds. A lot of moving parts. So you have you have to consider uh, an electrician. You have to have an electrician come out and make sure that all of the electricity that is run to that is on the up and up. You can't have you can't run extension cords. Extension well, no, cords we're on just commercial run property. Extension cords from the, the business across the street. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. That's uh, it's completely illegal. You know, what I mean, you would definitely not want to run <laughs> oh, any extension man, cords whatsoever. <laughs> if only. Would, if would, only. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and the other thing Wait, with, does that mean I got to take down the cable too? Yeah. <laughs> the other thing about living in Michigan that people from here don't really understand is the snow in the wintertime. So are you going to have some sort of roof or cover over uh, this thing? That is a very good question. I would like it to at least be partially covered. I'm not sure how much use we're going to be able to get out of the outdoor stage in the winter. Uh, but I don't know how it's been with you guys over this COVID business. But uh, we found out pretty quickly that Michigan folks were willing to be outside kind of a lot. There was a lot of outdoor eatings, little tents, some heated, some not, um, all kinds of parties, events, all kinds of stuff got moved outdoors. And uh, we're a little bit tougher than we uh, were previously given ourselves credit for. Uh, so I think 
having more outdoor events, as long as there's a warming station, there's a nod to being able to recoup some of that heat you've lost, uh, I think we're going to be able to do all right in the winter. It's not going to be a, a summertime-only park. That's awesome. I mean, and that that's you kind of need that in uh, in a place like that. You would need to be open 365 days a year, in my opinion, to do the sort of things oh, yeah. that you want to do. Yeah, that was the old plan. That's why it didn't work. You only had three months to make your money. <laughs> it's, it's not a great plan. Right. So, uh, yeah. So, anyway, what what other things, Tony, do you think that Danon should really focus on and come up with a game plan for some of these larger projects, like putting in a zip line? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't even know how to start um, thinking about, you know, that as a project. I know um, I've got a buddy who's the general manager for bullwinkles and uh the hoops that he had to jump through to put a zip line up uh at his place you know and it's just one one straight run and uh it's a lot but i'll tell you what before you're hanging zip lines right you have to make sure that all the that the infrastructure everywhere that people are going to walk is all entirely safe i know Corey and i were looking at a video or some video of pirates park and we were looking at the dock and i heard you mention the dock um, you know, right. um, refurbing the dock to make sure that it doesn't have any weak spots, make sure that the pilings that are underneath it, that are supporting it are all still strong and, um, and not rotten. Right. And then reinforcing the handrail that goes all the way around it. Some of it non-existent today. Uh, those things are going to be very important. And, and of course there are rules and regulations for that as well. Uh, you know, a commercial handrail is 42 inches tall and, uh, you can't pass a four inch diameter ball and, you know, all of the things that go along with that. So there's, yeah, there is definitely a lot of conversation to be had. Um, but these are projects that, that I feel like going forward, you'll be able to get contractors from the local area to donate their time and you could probably get local building material suppliers to donate materials. There's a lot of opportunity there for a nonprofit um, to get through these projects, even big um, without having to spend a lot of your capital that you're using to get the place open. So I'm actually pretty excited and intrigued about some of these, these projects uh, like building the stage and, and the, and refurbing the dock, but just make sure, like Corey said, that you, that you involve the professionals and, um, and don't be afraid of oh, course sure. to ask them for, you know, a little pro bono work <laughs> for the, you know, for the city of Flint. One yeah. Of- well, that's, that's a great point. I was actually going to wa- ask you, um, what is a, a reasonable ask for, for someone to do work? Would IPA covering material costs? Would I just pay for the labor and they do materials cause it's cheaper or, or, you know, some percentage or just the totally free. I mean, what's, what's an insulting thing to say if I was going to ask par lumber for help with the pirates park? Well, you know, that would be one of my, uh, things that I would say is that it's going to depend on the person, you know, if somebody's willing, I probably wouldn't ask so much because I'm not like that, but asking someone for free labor or free something or free anything, um, might be, you know, it could be insulting to somebody if they don't have the means to help. You know, uh, I guess you could offer it as right. a, if there's anything you can do, you know, and, and one of the things that I was going to suggest to you as, as a piece of advice 
is like Tony said, let the professionals do the professional work that needs to be professional. Plumbing, electrical, sheetrock. You sure. know what I mean? You don't want to dive into those projects that will take you 10 times the time and end up being unsafe and 10 times the money. Focus your efforts where yeah. you can I really can make that. a difference and do things free like demolition and cleanup. Contractors hate doing cleanup. So if you get in there and do it, <laughs> okay, might save you some money. Man, all right. Um, yeah, that's uh, it's going to be an interesting thing. But yeah, I've been asking everybody for everything. So that's not going to be too weird. I'm just trying not to overstay my welcome. But, you know, we are offering in return uh, advertisement for that kind of thing. I mean, yeah. uh, we can put up signs. We can run it on our YouTube channel. We're like, we can give them free days at the park. We can. I'm not without the ability to barter. Official but it's sponsors. Not going to be cash. <laughs> right. Hey, we got to take another quick break, Dane. And uh, if would you mind hanging out with us one more segment? Maybe we can squeeze some more information out of you. Oh, I'd love to. You guys are great. All right, hang in there, Dane, and we're going to take a quick break. Don't go away, folks. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. I'm Corey Valdez. And I'm Tony Cookston. Thanks for staying with us today. We've got a special guest on the phone from Flint, Michigan, my hometown, Danon Williams. He is uh, buying up a dilapidated old park there called Pirates Park. And he's going to turn it into a community center, a business center, and uh, he needs our help. He needs everyone's help to go out and offer up some some ideas, maybe some money. If you've got some uh, donations you'd like to send his way, you can go to piratespark.org. Uh, it's really something that could help the people of Flint, Michigan, uh, that have been through so much through the years. You know, the, the, recently we've all, all heard about the Flint water and uh, how terrible that situation is. So the, the, the people of Flint, the people in the city of Flint really need some some positivity. How terrible that situation was. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, Pirates Park was a gem of that area. When I grew up, it was the place that everybody wanted to go. They had arcades and uh, go-karts and bumper boats and mini golf. They had all that stuff. And it's a shame to see it go to waste. Danon, you are buying this place and you're converting it into a something non-profit. better. A yeah. non-profit, something better. And it's really a place for all the uh, the kids in the community to come and just not be out on the street. Right. It's uh yeah. It's it's pretty much right now an unbelievable amount of potential, and uh, really, uh, hopefully, people in in your area can give me some ideas on things that we could do with it. Uh, hopefully, in the not too distant future, we'll have maps of the park up. Uh, some of the different set pieces that we're for sure going to have, but there's all kinds of things that we're going to be able to do uh, that I haven't even thought of yet. So if anyone wants to 
let me know. Um, there's actually a survey on the on the website piratespark.org where you can find the GoFundMe or let us know things that you liked at different uh, amusement centers or things that you want to see. Uh, really, we want to do this for everybody and with everybody. That's uh, that's awesome. And I know, I know Dana, when we first talked about this a couple weeks ago, uh, you were throwing these crazy ideas off me of some of the things that you're going to do there. Uh, but going back to the things that you need to do to get the place open, it's in pretty bad shape. And yeah, just to go in and clean up, and some of the things that we were talking about before the last break was some of the things that you can do as a non-contractor, as a non-professional, a weekend warrior, if it were. You know, that's a lot of our listeners aren't necessarily contractors. They don't necessarily yeah. know how to do something. But if you have the right mindset and you have enough friends to get together and f- and be willing to fail, uh, there's no harm in giving it a try. But my advice to you is to really make a budget, have the professionals do what professionals need to do. And, and when I say professionals, I mean anything that has to do with yeah, safety. That's, I mean, that's... Yeah, safety, electricity, plumbing. Uh, guardrails, you really don't want to try and do something yourself that could potentially harm anyone else. That's not the thing that you want to do, and I know you don't want to do that. Uh, but again, before I said before the break... Right, really... that's why we have a whole board. That's right. why we're working together with all kinds of people, is, is because I know I have some knowledge, I have some skills, and I have a lot of holes where those things do not overlap. Right. And uh, we're reaching out to all the best people in the community uh, to come together and make sure that this thing happens right. And uh, yeah, that's that's the way you need to do it. But like I said, focus your attention on those things that you can do. There are a lot of things that you can do for as a as anyone. If you go to a contractor and they give you a bid and you say, "Well, what if I do the demo? How much will you? How much? What what sort of discount would you give me?" And some contractors are willing. Some are. Some aren't. I know some contractors, you do that, you ask them questions, and they're like, nah, I don't, I don't want anything to do with that. I, I bid this out to get it done from top to bottom. And so it may take talking to the right contractor to be able to allow you or, or friends to get in there and save money by doing certain things. And another one was cleanup. And I've done this with, with contractors that I've had work on my homes. Um, you negotiate a little bit. You say, well, what can I do? And that is that is a tool because contractors, every contractor I know hates cleanup, 100%. They hate cleaning up. They want to do the work and they want to leave. But if they don't have to do that, you might be able to save yourself some money. Right. I think that's something we can handle. I would want to do anything that I could handle. I think here's another little tip. Uh, it, when you're out looking for contractors, right? You're going to, without even asking the question, but just through conversation, you're going to determine how that person or that company or a representative of that company feels about Flint, about Flint, Michigan. Are they, are they tied to the community? Were they born and raised there? Uh, you know, do they feel the way about the community that you do? This is the kind of a contractor that you can afford to ask, um, you know, what, what would you be willing to do? Um, as a gift to the community, right? 
Um, so and you're going to be able to feel that right. out as you're having conversations with different contractors. There's going to be people out there that have the same feelings about Flint that you do, the same ties to community that you do, and they're going to be the ones who want to to do what they can for less or for none at all. So, you know, when you have your feelers out and you're talking to them, that I think is just going to become clear to you. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. That's why I believe this thing can work in this crazy way I'm trying to pull it off is that I think everyone really does care a little bit about this. And if everyone can just give a little bit of help, I think we can uh, raise this barn, you know, like one person can't do it. It's, it's a lot of people. And I think the one people who could do it by themselves wouldn't want to do it in this way. They wouldn't want it to be community focused. They just want to run it as a for-profit business and make as much money as they could. And sure. I think that's why I closed in the first place. <laughs> well, I got a really good idea for an attraction that won't cost you a lot of money. I think you yeah. I think you stock that pond with some baby fish and then let them do what they do sure. and then uh, get some barbless <laughs> hooks and let uh, let the kids come out and catch little fish out there you know in, in a stock pond that that would be an absolutely awesome attraction what a huge opportunity oh yeah absolutely um, I you know even Flint's a pretty densely populated city and it's we don't have a lot of lakes that are easy to get to for people who live right in the city of Flint. Um, I bet you there are tons of people who have never been fishing. Um, I like that a plan. That's a good plan. Yeah, I think that that could be something. Wouldn't probably cost you too much. You might have to go fishing somewhere, catch a boy fish and a girl fish. Right? I mean, how much? How much to fish cost? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> go somewhere, catch two, one of each kind, and release them in there and let them do their thing. <laughs> one of one of each. <laughs> Play, play a little mood music. Yeah, you never down know. The lights. It could happen. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dane, and thank you so much for being on with us. This has been an absolute blast, and and we hope that your message gets out and um, and we're able to help um, move this thing forward a little bit. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. It was great. All right, we are got to take another quick break, and and uh, we'll be back with some more weekend warriors. Don't go away. Welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Thank you so much to Dane and Williams from Flint, Michigan, uh, my old high school buddies, opening up the Pirates Park uh, that's been closed for 10-plus years. He's going in there. He's buying it. He's turning it into a community center. Nonprofit, yeah. Nonprofit. So it's going to be really, really cool. Uh, One more time, I wanted to throw out his website. It's piratespark.org. And if you feel compelled to go help the people of Flint, Michigan, Get through the hard times. Uh, everybody needs some entertainment. So you can go to his website, piratespark.org, and donate a little bit of money. Tell him we said you heard it on the Weekend Warriors and that uh, you know you feel feel like you're doing a good thing. And I think you will be. Yeah. I grew up there, and I left, man, 17, 18 years ago, and I never looked back. Yeah. And uh, I do miss it. 
We're looking back today, aren't we? We are. We really are. <laughs> so he's got he's got a, so many projects there. You know, Tony and I thought we would finish out this show talking a little bit about project management. Uh, my buddy Dane in there, he is not a contractor by any sense of the term. He's, he's an idea man. He is. He's an idea guy. And, and he doesn't really know a lot about uh, home improvement or working with tools and things like that that we take for granted. Tony and I have been doing weekend warrior type projects around our homes for years. Right. So we don't uh, we don't think twice. We don't balk at anything. We're like, yeah, okay, we'll do it. We'll try it. I'll I'll do anything uh, as long as I feel it's safe, and I'm not going to ruin anything. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so, but we thought we would finish out the show talking about a little bit about project management because that is the single, probably single most important thing when starting any project is starting it and completing it. You know, how many people do you know that have started a project, maybe hit a roadblock, uh, maybe ran out of money, maybe don't know how to do it, don't know how to finish, so they just don't. They just leave it. Now, they didn't visualize it all the way through to the end, and then when they ran into uh, a speed bump or an obstacle, uh, they just stopped because they didn't because they didn't know how to continue. But uh, planning for that kind of a thing can help you get from start to finish. Plan for unforeseen things and have a contingency. Absolutely. You know, and that is kind of one of the funny things we always talk about in budgeting is you need to budget for the unplanned. You need to plan for the unplanned. Sure. Because when you're doing any sort of weekend warrior work, uh, uh, which is mostly, I would say, remodeling. If you're remodeling around your home, you're building something, you're doing this, you're doing that, you are going to run into problems. Doesn't matter when your house was built, doesn't matter what you're doing, you will probably run into something. And if you don't, uh, that's amazing. Right. I have ran into problems in almost every single project I've ever done, from building a fence to remodeling a kitchen. I have ran into problems. So you just need to know that you shouldn't get discouraged when that happens, because it's going to happen. That's right. And you kind of got to just look at it and... Take the bull by the horns, you know, and just work through it. And if that means going out and asking for help, uh, I remember one time I called Tony in a panic. You probably remember the story. Wait, was I the contingency plan? Uh, well, yes. Okay. You talked me <laughs> off the ledge a little bit. When I remodeled my kitchen, um, I had, we had, I, I had just gotten my kitchen done. And on the exterior of my house, right on, on the kitchen, there's a, um, a fireplace that goes up. And all that siding was kind of rotten on the side of that house. And I wanted to go in and, and fix it. And at the same time, I was remodeling my backyard. And I was digging the dirt up that was on the side of the house. Because we were going to put a little patio down there. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, underneath the chimney was completely rotten bricks. The, the whole thing holding the chimney up and all the way up, all the plywood all the way up was rotted. It was taking on water from every which way. And I was scared out of my mind. I was like, this is going to cost me so much money. I did not know what to do with it. And I remember I called you. We got on the phone. We worked through the problems one at a time. And that's really all it took to get me through the process of how I was going to fix it. And that's all it is. You got you to gotta work through it, figure it out, budget it, 
How much is this going to cost? How much is that going to cost? And you really start to wrap your head around what you need to do to finish that project. Mm -hmm. That's right. Absolutely. Contingency plan, definition, best friend. (laughs) Sometimes, you know? Yeah, have somebody that's got your back that can help you. I mean, and it's not, not just talking about conceiving of things, but, you know, carrying things, lifting things, moving things, building things, all of that stuff. The whole thing, just somebody to help you carry the load, you know, is a big deal sometimes. Yeah. You know, my uh, my neighbors are building a fence and they're the same way. They have no idea how to build a fence. They don't know. And I, they looked at my fence they're like, your fence is gorgeous. Who did you pay to do this? And I said, nobody. Me and my wife did it. And they were in shock and awe. And they need to do a fence around the rest of their property. So they asked me, they're like, what do we need to do? And I'm like, oh, I'll help you out. We'll work through the process, and they they can't they don't necessarily have the know how and the knowledge to get it done from start to finish. But I'm there to help them. Yeah, absolutely. That's how all weekend warriors get started, just like that. Uh, it's born out of necessity, isn't it? It is. <laughs> A lot of times it's budget, right? Yeah. And that's kind of the, you know the other thing was with 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 budgets. You need to design your prog- your project. You need to work through every aspect of it. And try, try, try to think of everything that you think you'll need during that process and come up with a budget. And if you don't have enough money, if you get to that point, all of a sudden it's, it's okay, it's 20 grand. Well, I only have 15. Well, you can look at those, the things that you've put in there and try and do some of those things yourself and save money here and there. Mm-hmm. That's how I did it. I said, well, I can do that. Right. So I'm going to scratch that $800 bill off. Right. Or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so that you mentioned it, design. That's the very first part of planning a project is is uh, wrapping your head around a design, hiring somebody to design it, designing it yourself and getting somebody else's opinion, whatever that is. Once you've determined the design, then you can start working on a material list and the material list gives way to budget, right? Then you find out whether or not you can afford to do it the way you want to do it. Do you have to change it and do it for a little less money uh, by by cutting back in some areas? Um, And then, of course, you start to figure in your contingency things. What happens if I run long here or if something happens here? You, You figure that into your budget. And once you've got your budget where you want it, your material list, then it's time to go out and um, and build and the order of events or your your schedule, your construction schedule. Right. And what we mean by that is it really you have to think about things in order of events, because, for instance, if you're building an addition onto your house, you wouldn't frame it and then sheetrock it because if the rains come. Oh, your sheetrock's going to get ruined. Exactly. You want to frame it, roof it, dry it in, put some windows in. So like most electricians, they won't even come in. Or insulation, they won't come in unless the house is dried in. You know, you don't want to do those things out of sequence. So just you got to think about it. And if you have questions about that, there's a lot of people you can ask. Uh, And maybe when talking to your subcontractors or whoever you choose, or if you're going to do it yourself, um, you will spend, you'll spin your wheels, you'll get something done, and then you'll look back and go, shoot, I should have done this before I did that. You know, yeah. for instance, 
uh, installing a brand new floor before doing sheetrock. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's one prime example. Yeah, here's another one. Uh, you've decided that you want your interior trim and your doors to be sprayed instead of rolled, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to put your interior doors and trim in before you paint. But before you paint the walls, before you paint the trim, you paint the trim and the doors before you paint the walls. Do you paint the trim and the doors outside of the room and then bring them in and install them? These are all decisions that you have to make. It's not necessarily one way is right or not right. You know, um, there's a lot of things to consider. That's why building the schedule of events is so important. We got to take a quick break. We come back more weekend warriors. Don't go away. Listening to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Hey, if you haven't already, don't forget to check out our Weekend Warriors Instagram and Facebook. We are at WW Home Show. You can also check out our YouTube channel. We've got tons of videos uh, up there. It's YouTube forward slash WW Home Show. Uh, or you can go to par.com, click on the Weekend Warriors link, and that'll take you over to our, our website and has all those links on there. Uh, if you ever miss any portion of this show or want to listen to all any of our other old shows, you can go listen to wherever podcasts are. Uh, just search the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. WWHomeShow.com. Yep. And if you ever have any questions or comments, we love hearing from our listeners. You can email us at weekendwarriors at par.com. So we are talking about projects. And we were talking with my buddy earlier from Flint, Michigan, who is working on the mother of all projects, (laughs) tons and tons of projects. And the thing is, is with any project, the, the order of events and how you get that project from off the ground starting to finished you know, we, nobody likes a half-done project. Nobody likes a project by the time you get to the end, 90% you run out of money. So budget really is the number one thing, bar none. Sure. Uh, but, but to get there, you do have to talk about design. Uh, it does pay to hire a designer. We've, we've had designers on our show all the time. And if, you're, if, you, if your project is somewhat complicated... It really does pay because you'll pay more in redesign or in, you know, you you won't like it. You know, if you don't like the project that you just completed, then you're going to be upset and you're probably going to want to change it. Yeah, I mean, that has everything to do with the size of your project. If you're remodeling your bathroom or even remodeling your master bathroom and closet, this is something that you probably can design yourself sit down and determine, you know, the best way to do something and run it up the flagpole, see if it works. Um, but if you're talking about a, a big uh, addition or a remodel, a big remodel, then certainly having a designer um, point you in the right direction is the way to go. Right. Uh, and in thinking about your budget, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people have big ideas when they're in their house and they say, oh, I want to take that wall out. I want to take that wall out. I'm going to open concept. You know, you've heard that word over the last 10 years like crazy open concept well open concept is a great idea but you have to keep in mind that you can't just remove any wall sometimes you can 
but a lot of times you can't. So it really you have to really look at any wall and determine if it's load bearing or not. Sometimes you can only remove a portion of a wall. This is true. Just like when you in your kitchen, you came to me and you said, I want to take this wall out. And you built an Adair home. And I happen to have in my possession, uh, because Adair Homes is one of my customers, I had a copy of the plans for your home. That's right. And we looked at the plans and said, guess what? You can't take that wall out. So I, I, not to spend too much time on this, but I called you and asked you for the plan, which you had. But you said, you know, yeah, I've got the plan. But why don't you, instead of me telling you, go down to the crawl space, find that spot where that wall is, and tell me if there's a footing under it. Is there a footing? Is it posted up from the ground? If that wall's posted up from the ground, then it's a point load, and that's a load-bearing wall. Now, I can certainly look at the plan, but you should be able to figure this out for yourself, which I did, and I did, and you confirmed it with the plan. But I learned something that day. Uh, You can get into the crawl space. You can find out where loads are being transferred uh, from the wall to the ground. And that is an answer to your question right there. Yeah, absolutely. If there is a footing under there, it is absolutely load-bearing wall. That means, and what we mean by load-bearing is, if anything above transfers, it has to land somewhere. Right. And all that load has to be transferred down to the ground in some way. It's not going to be sitting on the decking. The decking is not carrying that load. Right. So, yeah. So, you know, that's the way we learn, just like that. And and you're right. Oftentimes, walls are carrying a load and cannot be moved. And without some... additional work being done right including engineering which you know as you know costs money i know i have this conversation all the time with people they'll call me up and they say i want to do this I'm like you can do anything you want as long as you have the money to pay for it right. i'm just telling you that if you remove that wall it's going to cost you 10 times what your budget is right you know i had a conversation with a guy who wanted to tear off the entire back of his house and add on like four feet i'm like that's going to cost you 200 grand because you have to put a gigantic 30-foot-long steel beam in there to hold up your second story and roof. Mm-hmm. And he was like, what do you mean? And, you know, it takes a little bit to talk about uh, how loads get transferred down to the, the, the ground. And I'm not an engineer, but I know darn well that those things aren't as easily as just throwing in, you know, a little thing here and there. Right. So sometimes that comes with just asking questions. Right. Yeah, uh, and there's a lot of those situations. I mean, I, I can think of one right now with Corey's kitchen remodel. Uh, he didn't replace a wall with a beam. Instead, he replaced a drop beam with a beam that he pushed up into the floor, which required a lot of extra work. But that was the point, was to open that entire space and have the ceiling be the same level all the way down, even though you had to do the extra work of pushing a new beam up into the floor system and then Messing with that knee wall upstairs, it was the right thing to do. So even that cost you a little bit more money, and you had to get some things figured out, but you did it ultimately. And uh, and good thing we did, too, right? Because ultimately we found out that uh, the previous beam that you replaced was not properly supported. Oh, heck no. And we hadn't have known that if we hadn't been in the situation we were in. So. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot. Well, that was a, a lot can of, of words. A lot of it will come to you, you know, and... Um, and there's a lot of ways around it, but that's where the that's where the order of events comes in. What's happening first, and then when what? Yeah, and it really helps to build a schedule. You know, as even even if you're doing a project yourself, 
you know, come up with a timeline for how long you think a project's going to take you. And a really good tip sometimes is to take and plan something, whether it be a housewarming party or a birthday party or something, a group get together, a barbecue, say on this date, October 10th, I'm inviting 30 people over to my house and this project needs to be done. And a lot of times you would be surprised how often that helps you push through and get that stuff done. And, it, and, and it, you got to do it realistically. You got to write it out. All of the things that you need to do. And if you need to hire subcontractors, you know, we are living in a day and age right now where you can't just call a subcontractor and say, can you come over? Can you start tomorrow? Tomorrow. There are some contractors that I know are out six months. Right. A lot of contractors that I know are out six months. Right. So flying by the seat of your pants, working through a project going, oh, I can't do that. Oh, I'm going to need an electrician. Oh, I need a pull permits. You know, you you don't want to dig yourself into a hole that you're not going to get out of immediately. And another thing with that is staging materials, special ordering materials, getting everything you need for your project. We're right now windows and doors. The lead time on windows and doors is is astronomical. So if you're going to start a project and all of a sudden you demo your whole kitchen and cabinets are out eight weeks and you didn't think about it because you just wanted to get in there and demo it out. Well, now where are you? It's not just windows and doors. Things that are normally available every day. Handrail, tracks, fiber cement siding, uh, fiber cement trim. These things, finger jointed and primed cypress. These things that we use to build homes every day are weeks out or months out or in some cases western western red cedar decking we won't see again until 2022 i mean you know it's a situation right now where you need to be thinking ahead of time ordering ahead of time determining what's going to be available when and getting it on the ground asap and then making a plan to have it protected and covered until your project starts right same goes for everything else appliances tile everything right down the line and subcontractors more information about how to prepare for your project when we come back Welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Today, Tony and I are talking about how to finish a project, project management. And uh, before the break, we were talking about your design, uh, your budget, you know, planning for the unplanned, and making sure you do things in the correct order of events. Because if you get to something that you've already done that you need to tear out, it just doesn't make any sense. You really want to do things in the proper order, just like we were talking about earlier. You don't want to install sheetrock if you haven't put up the roof, or you don't want to put down a a nice finished floor before you've put up sheetrock. So it's, uh, it really comes down to writing everything out that you need, 
you know, create a spreadsheet or whatever you need to do, price everything out and make sure that you have all of those materials, especially today with these extended lead times. It's crazy. Uh, make sure you have it all listed out and get everything on order and make sure you have it ready to go before you do a, or the very first thing is demo. Yes. And then coordinate your schedule of arrival of materials that you've special ordered. Uh, with your contractor and his time frame, So you have them converging at the same time. And here is another one. If you've determined that there are some portions of the project that you can do yourself and you've allowed yourself plenty of time to get them done, now is the time to communicate with those in your life who are going to help you with that. Your best friends, your family, uh, whoever it is that's going to be a part of that with you. Communicate that with them now. Hey, I've got this project coming up. I was thinking you and I could work on this part of it together. Uh, sounds like it would be a lot of fun. Maybe we can do it in a weekend or two weekends. But it's never too soon to start letting the people that you're going to ask for help know now that this is what's coming down the pipe. Corey's always been a really good planner, always uh, letting me know, hey, I need you for the next 72 weekends. And uh, you can't have any breaks in between because that's how long it's going to take to get this done. And at least I had a heads up that, you know, four years of my life were going to be gone. So, uh, no, I just kid, I kid. But uh, but it really does help to plan and let the people important to you know that you're going to need them. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, exactly. You know, if, um, like you said, I've, I recruited you <laughs> and I asked for your help, and it really did. And, it, and having your help, I never would have finished those projects. Yes, yeah, so the same with me. Uh, the projects that we've done together at my house were exactly the same way. Yep. Uh, even if we did work until three or four in the morning. Yes, one night we <laughs> did, for sure. Uh, and then, of course, you move into the project, right? You've got the schedule laid out. You've got your people um, planned. You, you've you got your budget is ready. And uh, your contractors and your material is ordered. And then, then is demo day. Demo. Then demo day. And of course, before you start demo, you remember that you have already planned for an exit route for the materials that you're demoing. You have to have a dumpster. You have to have the ability to get it emptied. You, If you've rented a dumpster and it's at the house and you know that there's a place where it can sit for a long period of time or however long it is, um, you want to get that done as quickly as possible. Maybe you have the dumpster show up on day two or day three, depending on how long your project's going to go. And you stage the material in one spot and then you move it into the dumpster so that you're not paying 20 or $30 a day while it sits there. There's an opportunity to save a little bit of money, but don't think that you're going to haul it truckload by truckload. I mean, depending on the size of your project, um, there's always a lot more demo materials than you think there's going to be. Well, I'll tell you one thing. The last project that we did was a pretty significant uh, remodel and an addition to a house. And we went through a small, we're, oh, we'll just get one of those small, short, was a 20-yard dumpster or something. And that was full on the first day. Then a week later, they brought the 40-yarder, the and we filled that up. Then they brought another 40-yarder, filled that up. And I think we're on our third 40-yarder. And it's, I mean, the amount of junk that you're pulling out and having to throw away, you know, it's staggering. Right. So you're right. If we had to take that to the dumpster or the, to the dump with individual truckloads, uh -uh. we'd have spent 
days and money and money also expensive yeah so uh another thing to consider when you're demoing of course is your safety you need to have proper safety equipment gloves eye protection ear protection um you know shoes that are not gonna that a that a nail's not gonna push through the bottom uh consider yourself the time that i get injured the most during a home improvement project is demo always demo yeah um when you take up a board that's got fasteners in it, take the fasteners out. Um, if you don't, if you have an opportunity to take the fasteners out right at that time, put it in a place where it cannot be stepped on or bumped into or you know cause damage. If it's going straight away into the dumpster, okay, I get it. But if you're going to throw it on the ground, take the fasteners out or bend them over flat, or, or at least that, at least bend them over. Yeah, and another thing to be conscious of when you're demoing is. What's behind the walls? Look for electrical, plumbing. You don't want to just start tearing into a wall with a sawzall because you never know what's behind it, unless you do. <laughs> but nine times out of ten, you don't, right? Right. So what I like to do when I'm doing demo is to take a hammer and knock little holes in the sheetrock a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, and peel it back and take a look in there. Obviously, if there's a switch on that wall or an electrical outlet, you know there's electrical in that wall. But sometimes little sneaky pipes pop in there too. You know, you might have an outdoor spigot or something or a pipe that comes down from upstairs down through a wall that you didn't know was there. And if you're running a sawzall through there and you say to yourself, oh, there's no electrical here. And you run a sawzall through there and next thing you know, there's water spraying everywhere. Oh, yeah. Not good. Sometimes you take the sheetrock off and you find electrical that you didn't know was there. And not only is it there... But it's hot, and it does not have wire nuts on it. It's not taped. It's just hanging out there. That happened in my kitchen. I know it. This is what I'm saying. I can't. Re- I can't sometimes fathom how many things we've seen the two of us doing home improvement projects together. The things that we've seen that you should not see. They're things you shouldn't see, and yet there they are. Yeah, I know. It's uh, it amazes me that my house is still standing sometimes. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, we talked about ordering special order materials, lead times, especially in this day and age uh, of COVID and just everything. There are shortages. You need to have contingencies for specific things. If you go in and say, "I want this," well, I'm sorry, you can't have that. Yeah, because it's not available, or you're not going to be able to get it for a year, and that is real. We're not kidding. That can happen. So keep in mind, pay, be patient. Be patient with the salespeople who have been working through this entire pandemic uh, day in and day out every day as essential workers, uh, just trying to keep everything afloat. So I know I've been, uh, I've had most of my, I've been pretty fortunate. Most of my customers have been pretty patient, uh, but it's hard these days here's something else that i've learned from you as we get towards the end of this project we that we've been talking about uh this is something that needs to go uh, that, that we should not go without saying and, and this is something i've learned from Corey, and i'm still learning from Corey. when it comes to the end of a project and you are you have reached the stage of what we'll call finish um it is very important to remember and you've heard this phrase before uh, the devil is in the details. It's always in the details. Corey does not cut corners when it comes to finish. Honestly, Corey doesn't cut corners ever, but specifically when it comes to finish, right? 
Um, everything is so important. The second coat of paint, because you can see a little bit through the other coat, even if you primed ahead of time. Or the, the nail that hasn't been set. It's just hanging out there just a little bit. Or the trim that hasn't been caulked. Or uh, the corner that you can just see a little bit of a separation there. Corey will say this. Nope, I'm redoing it. And I'm like, oh, that was so much work. And you're like, it's not right. I'm redoing it. The thing is, a project finished, like Corey's Kitchen, for example, is professional grade, in my opinion, so beautiful and so amazing. And it all comes down to the details. You can't say, I've had enough of this project. Um, <laughs> it's good enough for me. Or you can't see it from my house. Or any one of those other, the, the you know, the sheet or the finished guy will get it. You know, I mean, all of those comments that I think we just say, I'm going to just call it done. Folks, it's not done until it's done. And that means every last thing. Make sure that everything gets done all the way to dusting, wiping, wiping down all of the finished product, um, the whole thing. You just have to commit to the project and get it done. And that's how you'll move on to the next project. That's very good advice. Anyway, that's all the time we got for you, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you got something out of today's show. This has been another episode of Your Weekend Warriors right here on the Weekend Warriors Radio Network. Have a great week.